0: Again, my name is Zach. We've been um, in this uh, series of, uh, in Ephesians for three weeks, and this is our third week of 13 weeks. Uh, and We started off just talking about um, the author and the, the recipients of this letter. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, um, and he sends this letter to the, to the church in Ephesus uh, to, to really remind them the first half of the book, the first three to six, six chapters in this letter, um, the first three t- chapters, the first half is to remind them of the gospel, to remind them of the good news of Jesus and his work on the cross and sa- choosing and saving his people and bringing them into his family. And then the second half of the book is to remind them that when the gospel is received, it changes people. When the gospel is received, it creates a gospel people. And so he, he, takes three, he takes the last half of the letter to show them what gospel people look like people who have been transformed by the gospel, not perfectly, but this is what we are working towards is being people of the gospel. So where gospel truth is received, gospel people are made. Um, and so he he does that, and, and, then, and then he he takes verses uh, 1 and 2 just to introduce himself, and then 3 through 14 to, to share some incredible truths of the gospel, all this knowledge of the gospel. And then he starts in verse 15 uh, with this prayer. And so we're going to you know, go through this text and this prayer, Uh, verse by verse, and kind of chat about it, uh, and get through it together today. So Paul, just telling them that they've been uh, chosen, and adopted, and redeemed, and sealed by the Spirit, then says, for this reason, because of all that truth, all of that gospel I just told you, all that good news, for that reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord, and your love towards the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And so Paul says, because of all that truth, and I've seen the faith that you have in Christ and the love you have for people, I give thanks and I do not forget you in my prayers. I always remember you. Um, And so Paul gives thanks for two reasons, their faith in Christ and their love for others, their love for the saints, for one another. I mean, that's really what a Christian does, right? A Christian puts their faith in Christ and then he loves his new family or she loves his, her new family. Uh, Jesus said that you will, the world will know that you're my disciples because you'll have love for one another. So Paul sees that they've put their faith in Christ and it's begun to change them and they have love for one another. And this is crazy because these are, if you go back in Acts chapter 19, these are uh, ex-witches and they're into witchcraft and sorcery and, 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 and praying at other temples to other gods and then they come out of that into the gospel and they love one another, they care for one another. So Paul thinks God for that. Now, to be fair, and not to cheapen it, but to be fair, Paul does this at the beginning of all his letters. He thanks God for all of the churches that he has helped plant and all the churches he writes to. Um, and I think the, 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 the one that I love the most is 1 Corinthians. And let me read it to you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 4. It says this. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Why why is that my favorite one? Because the church in Corinth was was messed up. Like they were really struggling. This is Paul, I know it's 1 Corinthians, but we, we learn in 1 Corinthians this is Paul's actually his second letter to the church in Corinth. So 2 Corinthians is his, at least his third letter. He wrote a letter, which isn't in the Bible. Uh, things didn't go well with that first letter, so he has to write another letter to clear things up, and things are just messed up. They've got people getting drunk at communion. Um They've got people, they got one dude who's, who's sleeping with his stepmom because, and everyone's cool with it because God's grace, it abounds, right? If people sin more, then God has more grace, and that's good. So like, you can imagine the kind of culture in a church that just says, everyone can do anything they want. You can do anything you want to one another, um, and, and no one's gonna say anything. It's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to stay that way, is basically what they were saying. But Paul says, I give thanks for you because of the grace that you've received in Christ Jesus. The reason it's my favorite one is because it's so easy for us to wear the lenses of self-righteousness and a critical spirit, and we can easily look at the church around us and be critical of it, be self-righteous and be frustrated at what people are doing and the things that are happening, yet Paul wears the lenses of grace and says, I'm gonna tell you how you're messed up in a second and point you to Jesus, but before I get there, I am so thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for the grace that you've received in Christ Jesus. And he, and he begins to point them towards Jesus again. Um, but the way he does it is through the gospel. So we, 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 we love, um, and we, we love this phrase here at the Grove. And it's from Paul. "Is we speak the truth in love. We speak the truth in love. And I feel like we may have accidentally, my fault probably, hijacked that into we speak our advice in love. That is not what Paul is saying. It's not what he does to any of his letters. If you go through and just do like a study of the word truth in the New Testament, it's always referring to the gospel. Jesus is the truth. The truth will set you free, right? The gospel sets you free. Not our advice, not not even good advice will set you free. Good news will set you free. And so when we speak, we, we absolutely need to have gospel lenses and, go- and gra- lenses of grace to see that. And then we step into one another's lives and speak the gospel in love. We point people to Christ. Just yesterday, I was with a, f- a dear family friend of ours, and, and there's just some stuff going on in, in their life. And we were just praying and crying. And, and, and I'll tell you, the, the, I took everything in me not to give advice. And there's so much advice I could have given. It would have been really good and helpful. But I had to just, like, you need Jesus. Like, you need to turn from those things and turn to Jesus. That sounds like advice, but it's not because the good news is is that the news I'm trying to share with you is that Jesus will receive you. You don't need to keep running away. Jesus will receive you. You just come to him. And so that's the truth we speak in love. It's really not part of today's sermon, but I feel like as we read uh, Paul giving thanks for this church, um, it's funny because he does it all the time. So one could be like, well, it really doesn't mean it. If you're thankful for everything, you're thankful for nothing, right? Um, but that's not true. Paul is thankful for all of them for different reasons, even the messed up ones. So imagine with me for a second. What would it be like if we were a church? I'm not saying we're not, but imagine with me, like, fully a church that wears gospel or wears lenses of grace. And when we speak to one another, we see what God is doing in their life. And we're not, we're not experts on their weaknesses and their failures, but we're experts in what God has done in them, what he's doing in them, and we can see what God will do in them. We picture them how they will be, and we love them and thank God for that. And then when we do have to step and fill in others' lives and speak the truth, we are pointing to Christ, not giving advice. We are saying, man, we, you're pointing people to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus, always to Jesus. So Paul has gratitude. And then he turns he says, "I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. That the, and so he turns in verse 17, "That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened." Let's stop there. So Paul prays that they would have a spirit of wisdom, they'd be given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. They would have a revelation, the knowledge of him, and their hearts would be enlightened. The eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. I find this interesting because Paul literally just gave them all this knowledge, right? He said, you are chosen for the foundations of the earth to be adopted as sons and daughters. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You have been sealed by the spirit to receive the inheritance which is yours. All the promises of God are yes in Christ, and they are yours as part of the inheritance. Like this is, he gave them all this awesome knowledge, yet then he prays and asks God to reveal that knowledge to, him, to them. See, Paul knows something here. Paul is saying here in this prayer that I know my words are not enough. I could tell you all the gospel truths all day long, and unless the Spirit gives you wisdom, unless God the Father opens up the eyes of your hearts to enlighten you, you will not hear them. You can know them, but they will not change you. And isn't that what happens to the church in Ephesus? We read in Revelation um, chapter two last, two weeks ago, that this is what happened. They knew all the right truths and yet they did not love Christ. So Paul, knowing this, is trying to warn them. Like, you're gonna need God. You're gonna need God to reveal all that truth I just gave you, all that knowledge. You're gonna need God for it because there's a difference between knowing something and having knowledge of it and really knowing it and experiencing it, right? I graduated high school in 2007, uh, went to Bible college, um, for a year. You may think, Zach, you've said before you didn't go to college. I didn't finish college. I went, didn't work out, stopped. I'm trying again. So, you know, pray for me. But, um, so we, so I went to Bible college for a year. One semester was down in Southern California, uh, which was awesome and beautiful. It's where I met Margie, my wife. And, uh, well, she wasn't my wife then. She was just a, a woman, but, uh, she became my wife <laughs> and through a series of events. But, um, the second semester, I was like, man, I want to go. There was an extension campus in Jerusalem, uh, Israel. And I was like, man, I want to go there. It'd be awesome. The plane tickets were like more than the tuition. It was ridiculous. And so uh called my parents. I'm like, hey, I have a room full of stuff. Sell everything I own. Um, if you could, Dad, here's how you use Craigslist. I had to teach my dad how to use Craigslist, um, which was a bad idea. He's bought a lot of stuff since then. And um, he's got a garage full. But um, like stuff you can't use. Like he just, buys car parts and hangs them on the wall and just sits and looks at it. It's really funny. Um, anyway, I love my dad. But so, so he sells like my, my all my stuff and we get plane tickets and, and I fly to Jerusalem. I'm in Jerusalem and um, I'm 18 years old. Uh, I've been to Mexico uh, on like a mission trip one time uh, and on a cruise maybe, I think. Um, but yeah, so like not a lot of international traveling I've done. And so, but I'm loving it. I mean, I'm like right on Hillel, Hillel Street and uh, right next to King George Street, which has the best pizza I've ever had in the world. And they've got falafels, which is like, it's just a big thing of meat that spins. And they shave it off into a pita bread. I mean, like, praise God, right? I mean, <laughs> this is an you know, incredible place. And uh, they have kebabs just everywhere. Just, man, it was good. So I really, I mean, the sights were really cool, too, like all the places Jesus went. But the food was amazing. <laughs> and so, so we're there. And uh, I'm not there very long. And Well, I was going to be there for six months. But pretty early on in the six months, I, I go to the old city of Jerusalem. And uh, they have different quarters. They have the Christian quarter, the Armenian quarter, the Muslim quarter, and the Jewish quarter. And so I'm just walking through all of them, which is cool. And uh, the, uh, the, the horns start going off for the Muslim time of prayer for, for Islam. And, uh, and, and I didn't know this, but they start blocking off certain streets so that people can come out of the streets and pray towards the mosque and do all their stuff. And, um, but I was told that if I have an American passport, I can get through some of these places. So I, I had to go get back to my apartment and... So I have an American passport. So I go, you know, to this guy. He's got IDF, which is Israeli Defense Force. He's got a weapon. I'm like, hey, man, I need to get through, show my passport. He's like, yeah, I do. come on through. He didn't say it quite like that, but it was, that's what he did. And then, so I went through, and the next guy, I just start walking by because I thought, this is good. And he did not see what just happened. He thought I was, like, getting through in a bad way. So he took his weapon, put the butt of it into my chest, pretty hard. And then turned it on me, and uh, I just froze. Like I threw up my passport in hands and just froze. He's yelling at me in multiple languages because he's not sure what I speak. So he's like Arabic, uh, Hebrew, English. He's trying everything. I have no. I know he's telling me to like get down, but I'm frozen. Like I can't do it. I just. I'm just standing. There's a there's there's a muzzle in my face, and I cannot move. And this the guy who told me to go through is yelling at him, and he's yelling at me, and, and it, it gets cleared up. I did not get shot, but. <laughs> The point is, like, I mean, I could, I could, we could watch YouTube videos of people, you know, police drawing weapons on people and them not listening, and we could, we could Monday morning, morning quarterback that all day long. You know, they should have listened, they should have done this, they, they weren't listening, they weren't complying, and that's why this happened. Now, I'll tell you, until you experience that, you have no idea what you're talking about. You could read all the transcripts, you could read what everyone says about the situation, but until you have a weapon in your face, you don't know what you're going to do. You need to actually experience that moment. And I could watch videos, I could watch movies, I could hear training, like here's what you do when someone does this. You don't know until the first time that happens. And when that happens, maybe you won't freeze like me. That's what I did. But you have to experience it. In the same way, Paul knows that just knowing the right things is not enough. You need to experience God's grace. You you need to know God in a way that you experience experience him. You experience the love that he has for you. You experience the blessings of the gospel. Not just know what they are, not be able to recite them or to be able to teach them, but you have to know them because they've happened to you. You can feel God's love. You can feel his grace because they've literally happened to you. And so Paul prays that they would know. He says, uh, here's all this incredible knowledge, verses three through 14. Then he prays that God would actually open the eyes of their hearts to receive that wisdom, to receive that revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened, that they would know, number one, they would know, verse 18, what is the hope to which he has called you, which is the hope to which he's called you, this hope that you would know, you would feel that you have a future that is forever with Christ that you would know that. Because if you know the end, that changes everything today, right? You, you could intellectually know that the end is gonna be good and not change, but if you really know that the end, if you really believe this hope that Christ is returning, he's bringing his kingdom with him, and we get to live with him, reigning and ruling with Christ forever on this earth, that changes today. It changes how you spend your money. It changes how you lay your life down for your wife. It changes how you serve your kids. It changes how you work at your, you, at your place of employment. It changes how you do everything because you know that's coming, right? If you know the end, it changes things. I loved this show called 24. Um, it's an incredible show. If you don't know about 24, J- this guy named Jack Bauer, he's, we, sh- as an America, we should be super thankful for this guy. He saved us countless times. And um, has anyone ever seen the show 24? Yeah. Okay. So I came into it late and um, I'm watching 24. And I'm watching like season three, Uh, there's the drug cartel and there's a nuclear bomb. Like it's crazy. And and, and Jack goes into this house to rescue some hostages. And there's more people in that house than Jack thinks there are. But I know it because the camera showed me. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, Jack, no, dude. Like I'm watching season three. They're on like season six. But I'm watching season three. I'm like, Jack, Jack's going to die. I'm like worried about Jack's life. And then it dawns on me, oh, there's three more seasons of this thing. Like, I know how this ends. Like, this is, he's gonna be okay. Even if he gets shot and it cuts to commercial, I know he's gonna be fine. It changed the way I watch it. Honestly, it took some of the excitement away, but it changed the way I watched it. We know the end of the story. We know this hope. And if we really know the hope that which we've been called, that God, Jesus is coming back and we're gonna be his forever, it will change the way we live today. It will absolutely change the way we live today. The second thing he wants them to know This is in verse 18 as well. What, is, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, um, if you've been reading along with us, verses 3 through 14 talk about this inheritance that we have, that we get to have this inheritance with Christ, um, and we get to have this thing, that we've been sealed with the Spirit, um, and we, uh, in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So it'd be really easy to think that this is what he's talking about. He's, he's, he's going back and saying to the praise of that, and, you know, that, that you would know that inheritance is coming for you. It's not what he's saying. Read it. He says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Christian you are God the Father's inheritance. Like, you are what he desires. He wants you. You're his, in, you're his inheritance. He is our inheritance, and you are his. Like, he loves you, he wants you, he desires you, he cares for you. He has marched all, if you're a Christian here today, he has marched history to a point that you would hear the gospel, receive the gospel, and be his. If you were born into a Christian family, And that's how you heard the gospel? Praise God. But that was him. He did that, right? Because you don't get to choose what family you go into, right? Like, you don't, you're not coming down to this earth and, like, choosing what womb you're going to go into. Like, hey, is there a Christian womb I could hop in? Or, like, how does this work? Like, you don't choose that. God birth puts you in a Christian mother or maybe you weren't born into a Christian family and you and you were raised outside of the faith and someone has come into your life and has preached the gospel to you shared Jesus with you and you have received that uh, and you have surrendered to him and you follow him and you didn't choose that someone came to you for me in in seventh grade our bus drivers went on strike and because our bus drivers went on strike I couldn't ride the bus anymore I had to carpool the guy named Marcus Perry Marcus Perry went to church, so when I carpooled home on Tuesday nights, I'd go to Marcus Perry's house, because my parents weren't off work yet, and we'd go to First Baptist Church at Jackson Youth Group. I didn't choose that. I didn't, like, pray that the bus drivers would go on strike so that I could go to youth group on Tuesday nights. It just happened. God saved me because he loves me. He cares for me. He wanted me to be his inheritance. He wants us, and so if you're a Christian here today, you are here today because God has called you in. You are his inheritance, And he wants you. He loves you. And it's really easy for us to think that God um, loves us like in some robotic way because he is love and he has to. He's God. But no, like he knows everything about you and loves you anyway. That's hard for us to believe because that's not our experience in real life, right? In real life, we try to hide parts of our life from people because we know if if they just knew this part of my life, they wouldn't love me. If they just... If my spouse knew my thoughts on this, or how the way I'm thinking right now, or they knew the kind of stuff I was doing, they wouldn't love me, so I've got to hide that from them, right? If, if my friends, if my church, if my pastor, like all these things, like i got to hide things from them, because if they truly knew me, then they wouldn't love me. But God truly knows you. He knows everything about you, and he has chosen you anyway to be his inheritance because he loves you and cares for you and that should change us like that will remove if we experience that that will remove shame from us right because to be fully known and fully loved is where shame goes away because if you're fully known and you're fully loved by someone there's nothing to be ashamed of they know everything about you and they want you to be theirs anyway this is what we have in Christ. This is, this is, we, are, we are his glorious inheritance. Man, that we would know that. And the last thing he wants us to know is the immeasurable, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. He wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe, to us who believe. Romans 8, 11 says this, The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Paul wants us to know that the power of God, the greatness of the power of God that raised Christ from the dead now resides in you. And that means that anything is possible for you, the Christian. Anything's possible. If the resurrection is real, if the tomb is empty, and we believe the tomb is empty, if the tomb is empty, then anything's possible. If God can raise someone from the dead, and that power that that rose you from the dead is now inside you, anything is possible. It means no matter what you've done, or what situation you find yourself in, God can breathe life back into you. You can't go, you can't go too far for God not to raise you back and bring you back to him. That power of God to raise Jesus from the dead is in you, the Christian, so no matter what situation you find yourself in or how, whatever you've done uh, or however done you think you are, it's not over. There's hope. There's a power of God that's immeasurable inside you the christian and can breathe life back into you if the tomb is empty anything is possible when he raised him from the dead verse verse 20 that that he worked in christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet. We'll stop there, we'll continue in a second, but Jesus is above all things. He is, he just is. God has placed Jesus Christ above all things. What that means is you don't have to place Jesus Christ above all things in your life. It's done. He is. You just surrender to it, right? L- I really believe language is important and I don't correct people often, but I'll take chances here when we're outside of the moment to help us form a better language, okay? So like when we have baptisms, I don't come up and be like, oh, you know, you didn't actually make Jesus the Lord of your life. He already was the Lord of your life. Um, you just surrendered to him. I don't do that because that would be horrible. But I'll take a chance here to let you guys know. Like, you don't accept Jesus, you just don't. And I'm not trying to hurt you if you've used that. I've used that phrase in my life, so don't hear me say like, "Yo, I can't believe you said you accept Jesus." You don't. Jesus doesn't walk around needing acceptance. I mean, think about like the King of Glory walking around hoping people accept him. That's not the picture of Christ. He is King. He is the ruler. He is the King of Glory. We we'll either fight against that in rebellion or we will surrender to it. But it doesn't change who he is or where he's seated. We cannot change that. He is your king. You will either call him king or you will rebel. So the question for us is not, is Jesus Lord of your life? But have you surrendered to Jesus as Lord of your life? Or are you still trying to rebel against him? Are you still trying to replace him and put other things as Lord of your life? Are you trying to be the Lord of your life? Are you trying to be the king of your life? Or have you surrendered to the true king who always has been, always will be, in this age, in the age to come, that is Jesus. He is the king of glory. We do not have to make him that. And so as we, and and, and it's not just to like, it's not, I don't want you to hear me like correct language and be like, uh, that seems childish. Like we all mean the same thing. I know we all mean the same thing. I know people mean well when they say things like that. I don't, that's why I don't correct them in in the moment. But I want us to know, like, it's different when we have this high view of Jesus versus a view of Jesus where we have brought Him into our life, where we've took, taken Him and put Him in our heart. No, 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 no. Jesus did that. Jesus is King, Jesus is Ruler. He is above all names. And we submit to Him and we surrender or we don't. Oh, that we would surrender to Christ. And and surrender to him. And stop fighting against him. In all places. (coughs) And then Paul ends this section with this. And he put all things under his feet. Verse 22. And gave him his head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. (coughs) So. Let's say you hear about this Jesus and you want to go experience and see the fullness of Christ. Where do you go? To the church, right? The church is the body. It's the fullness of Him. It's the fullness of Christ. What Paul's telling the church in Ephesus is, is, is <coughs> there is a people, there is a place that is so identif- that Jesus has so identified himself with, that is so put himself amongst, that if you want to experience the fullness of Christ, there's a place to do that. There's a people to belong to to do that. And it's here. It's you. You are, where you, experience, like you are where I experience the fullness of Christ. When I think about my frustrations and my doubts and my crisis of faith and my wanting to give up because things are hard, the things that turn me around, that point me to Christ, um, is not just things I know, about my, or know and I just remind myself of. Oftentimes, it's you. It's coming in here on Sundays and hearing you singing, hearing you praise God, seeing you lift your hands, seeing you come up and take communion, and then me get to take it with you. And it's not going to home groups and hearing the testimonies of people's lives being changed or seeing baptisms of people come up and share how how God has transformed them, how God has taken them from the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of light, how God has done that in their life. Like that turns my heart towards Christ. But it's not just that. It's not just the glorious times, but it's the dark like it's it's going to the hospital and seeing Katie and Matt. Just worried, sick over their son Atticus, yet praising God, glorifying his name, praising his glorious grace, because they know no matter what happens, God is good. Like th- I needed to see that. I didn't need to give them any advice or even speak any truth to them. Like they they were speaking truth to me in that moment. Because of the way they were, stuff like that, that's the stuff, the fullness of Christ is experienced in the church. God has designed this thing, and I don't mean Sunday morning gathering, although that is absolutely part of it, it's no less than that, but it's more than that. It's a being part of the church, being amongst the church, not the building, but the people. The people, if you want to fully experience Jesus, his glories, his grace, his mercies, this is the place to do it. This is the people to do it with. God has so clearly said this is the place to experience him. Not just to know about him, but to experience him. Now, listen, it's not all sexy. It won't always be easy. It's going to be hard. We are a broken people, which means we're going to hurt one another, right? But that shouldn't stop us. In fact, I think, and I, th- I see scripture teaches that it's actually in the weakness that he is glorified. I mean, I- if the church was perfect and didn't hurt one another, there'd be no room for anyone outside. Because as soon as, is like, and, and I'm talking about you. Like, think about before you, st- if you're part of the Grove in any way, member or regular tender, if, if you, if this was perfect before you got here, you would have jacked the whole thing up the moment you stepped in. Mm. That wouldn't be good. But God is glorified in our weakness because he, he is made strong. He is, he is shown as strong because it's in our wounding one another and us putting on the lenses of grace and forgiving one another and repenting and moving forward, advancing the kingdom side by side even though we've been wounded. That's what we want to see. Do you think the world wants to see people walking around all perfect trying to, to, to bring the kingdom to them? No, no, no. God has, knows that it's broken people walking together, advancing kingdom, that's going to get this thing done. That's why he's chosen to do this, to bring him the most glory this way. So it's going to be hard. And there's two things I want to say about community in the church that I, I think you need to hear. Um, and some of us may not like certain parts of this, so but you need to hear it, and I love you. So we're going to say it because it's true. It's not advice. This is true. The first thing is this. You need community like you need it. It's not optional. It's not something that we tack on because we think it's a good idea. It was always God's design to live life together. The very beginning, Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. So what did God do? He brought every animal to Adam. Right? Every single Adam and, uh, animal or uh, every single animal to Adam gives an Adam, "Hey, what do you think of this one?" He's like, "Oh, this is cool. This is this is like a lion." But it's not. I'm not. I don't like the lion. Like I, you know. So like we move on. And it, so every single animal goes goes in front of Adam. Doesn't find a suitable helper form. So God creates woman. And finds a helper. But but it doesn't end there. They're supposed to multiply. They they weren't even supposed to live life together. Just them and, and each other. It was always supposed to get bigger. The community was always supposed to be growing. The family of faith, of those following God, was always supposed to get bigger and live life together. Um, Because if you're sitting here today and you think, um, well, I have community. I'm married. It's not good for man to be alone. That's why I got married. And so I'm good now. You haven't been married long enough then, okay? Because it doesn't take long to think, I'm married now, so I'm not alone. I got what I need for you to realize you need more than just your spouse, Because without some help, without some people in your life to love you, to encourage you, to spur you on to holiness and to lay your life down and submit to one another, without that, you're going to mess your marriage up. You need help. We need community. You need men, you need women to live alongside you. There's no lone rangers in this Christian thing. There's not a single lone ranger. If you're a lone ranger, then you're not doing it right. When Jesus sent his disciples out in the gospel, he sent them out two by two. They're never alone. You need people because marriage is hard. Parenting is stupid hard. And just being a good employee is hard because you can get so frustrated. Your bosses or your coworkers. You need people to speak into your life. You've got to get in community. One of the glorious gifts of God with Disney Plus is that um, we have access to all sorts of natural geographic shows now, Right? And so they have these shows where you could just watch lions destroy antelopes and it's fun to watch, right? But what antelope does a lion get go after? It's the gimpy one who's not inside the protection of the herd, right? And so it's, it's the antelope that's outside the herd that, that's hurt and wounded that, that, that the lion goes after. So if that's you today, if you are outside the, the family of faith, if you are on the fringes, if you're wounded and on the fringes, you've got to get in the herd. Like You've got to get in. You can't stay out there. If you stay out there, the lion will come and pick you off. You've got to come in. You've got to force yourself to preach yourself that this, this is going to be hard. I'm going to get wounded, but I'm going to go in because I will get killed out here. I've got to go in. If you're isolated, if you're alone, if you're hurting, you've got to get into the herd. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, about community. If you are a part of the church, if you are a believer, you've got to hear me. This church the church, does not exist for you. You are the church, and you exist for the glory of God and the good of the world. You exist for the glory of God and for the good of spruce pine, for the good of Burnsville, and Newland, and all of Mitchell County, all of Yancey County, all of Avery County, into the ends of this earth. That's why we as a church exist. The, the church does not exist for you. It doesn't. So so if, so if you are here today, and you see people on the outside in the fringes, you see if you see the gimpy antelope out there, you bring them in. Go get them. Go talk to them. Take them out to coffee. Bring them into the herd. So if you're on the outside, I'm telling you to get in. If you're on the inside, I'm telling you to go out and get people to bring them inside. Like, you've got, like, this isn't about you. We've got to not be consumers, to be contributors. And contributors doesn't always mean you're on some team or on staff or, or get a salary or get paid or or even have a, a, a real volunteer position that's like, I have a title. What I mean when I say contribute is go take people out to coffee. Go love some people. Like yesterday, it wasn't because I was... Honestly, it wasn't because I was the pastor that I got called into a house to pray for people and and to love them and to cry with them. It's because I was just their friend. I happened to be their pastor, but I was their friend. And so, like, do you have people who see you as someone to call when their life is a mess? Because if you don't, go make those friends, Go be, the, go out and get people. Um, and, and, and it's going to be hard. This church doesn't exist for you, which means you're going to get wounded and you're going to get hurt, okay? If, if we're going out and getting the gimpy antelope who can't get in himself, um, we're going we're gonna to have to grab them by our teeth and pull them in, and we may leave teeth marks, but, th- but the good news is they're not going to be picked up by the lion. They're going to be in the herd. And so that means you may get wounded, but here's what I need you to hear me say. No one is like, there's no planning meeting where we get together and we're like, okay, Margie, I want you to wound him on Sunday. <laughs> Holly, you're going to do Monday. I'm going to do it at home group. We're just going to wound the crud out of him, and it's going to be awesome. Let's do it. Let's go wound some people. No one's doing that. Not that I know. I, I'm not a part of that meeting. If it's happening, I'm not a part of it. We're not like, no, people are, people are going to get wounded no matter where we go, what we do. But no one's doing it on purpose. No one's out to get you. I think you'll actually find the joy and community that you're longing for if you get involved. Maybe even places you don't want to get involved. Um, People have giftings, and sometimes we have room for that. Sometimes we just need someone to scrub the toilet. Um, Does anyone think that's their gifting? It's still got to get done. No one's like, I am the best toilet scrubber you've ever seen. I can scrub the crap out of that toilet, literally. <laughs> like I could just do it. That wasn't in my nose. I shouldn't have said that, right? <coughs> um, this one's not on Facebook, so I can say whatever I want. Um, that's not true. Uh, so, but, but like, that's no one's gift. But we, it's got to happen, right? It's not my gift for. for oh my goodness, it's not, I did it for the first six months we were in this building. Every week, me and Marjorie clean this, and this isn't to brag about me, but I'm just saying, like, why wasn't my gift. I feel like my gift's up, a little bit up here, maybe. It's certainly being with people. But you know what I had to do? The toilets had to get clean. Because if they did, didn't, people would, new people would come in here and go, to go to the bathroom and it'd just be disgusting. So someone had to do it. So, so, so here's what I'm saying. Um, you need to just do the things that are commanded of you in Scripture. People, some people have the gift of evangelism. We're all called to evangelize. Not just those who are gifted. Some of us have, like, we're all called to, 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 to into community. We're all, call, so we just got to do the things that God has called us to, because I really believe that in those things, we will find life. We will find all that we're looking for, because where is the fullness of Christ found? You guys can say it if you know it. Where's the fullness of Christ found? The church. The church. We're going to make you guys talk someday. Like, this is going to be, we're going to get a little, like, not cr- crazy charismatic, but like a little charismatic. Um, and so just be ready for that because I'm going to try and get you guys saying stuff. <sighs> if you're here and you're a part, if you consider gro- the grow of your home, what I'm asking you to do is not take everything personally. People are going to hurt you. I- I'm, not even s- I'm not saying that people aren't sinning. I'm just saying don't take it personally. Give the grace that you claim to have received from Christ and then get to work in the kingdom. Just get to work. Stop worrying about what's going on around you and just get to work. Um, I think if we do that, we're gonna see some awesome things happen. We're gonna, if we have the mentality that this thing's going to multiply and it's going to get bigger, not because we're just trying to fill seats because we're not, but it's going to get bigger because people are going to see Jesus, then, then, then that means more and more broken people are going to come here. And you know what broken people do together? They, they break one another. But God is glorified in that mess. So we give grace. We get to work. Take someone out for coffee. Get to know people you don't know. If you see someone on the fringes, drag them in. But the primary way... In which we do community or the church is not sunday mornings it's groups it's home groups and we do we do a semester-based home group we do uh spring and fall and so today we're launching signups for our groups just happens to coincide with the text praise god uh so i can really get you guys to want to do this but man today is is the day we sign up for home groups uh, and home groups are gonna look a little bit differently going forward Uh, We have some different things going on that I'm really excited about. I need you to hear everything I say lest you feel wounded. We have five home groups that are just standard home groups. Home group is a place where you share a meal. You're not always going to like everything that's there. That's okay. It's not about you, right? You share a meal. You hear someone's story, and then we dig into the text of Scripture from the sermon the previous week. We do sermon-based home groups because uh, we want to do a holistic approach to discipleship. What I mean by holistic is where everything kind of fits together. Um, it doesn't, ma- and I think it works in other places, but to me, for, the chur- for this church, it doesn't make sense for me to preach out of a text on Sunday and then us being a different text on Wednesday because there's deeper things that I didn't get to today that you guys can get to, and you can apply it to your life, and you can be transformed by the word of God. I can't, I mean, I can't touch on everything. Like, we'd be in Ephesians for 52 weeks if I touch on every single truth that's in here. Maybe that's what we should do. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I can't, but maybe we should. <laughs> I don't know. The point is, so we do sermon-based home groups, um, and then we pray together, and then we go home. So we have five of those. We have f- three in Spruce Pine, one in Micaville and one in Burnsville. Three in Spruce Pine, one in Micaville, one in Burnsville. Um, we are launching another ministry that we want to do, um, and by ministry, it's really a group, um. And what it is, is it is uh, Financial Peace University. It is a financial class. Uh, I'm really excited about this. We are a church that has a lot of young people who don't even know what a budget is or looks like, um, thinks debt's awesome and, uh, and it's not. Uh, and so if you're here today and you don't know what a budget is, it, you have debt that just keeps you up at night, this is a great class for you. It's limited. Um, we can only have so many people take it because of, of the way we faci- are going to facilitate it. We have about twelve spots, um, and so um, it, it is open for signups. It does it does have a cost to it. And that's not the Grove's not trying. To, the Grove makes zero dollars on this. Okay, this is what Financial Peace University charges to take their course. It's one hundred twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Seems like a huge investment for nine weeks. It is nine weeks. The average person saves thousands of dollars in the first year. So it's a tiny investment compared to what can come out of it, okay? So um, it's $129. You don't have to pay when you sign up. We'll send a link out after you sign up for you to pay. You pay them, and you get your stuff. Um, (coughs) And so um, anyway, so there's spots for that. There's 12 spots for that. It'll be here Wednesday nights at 6 at the Grove. Um, And then we're we're launching something else, kind of backup, that I'm really excited about. A third group we're going to have is called Steps. It's a recovery group. Um, it is an incredible ministry opportunity for us. Um, and you might hear recovery and think alcoholics or narcotics anonymous or, you know, sex addicts and all these different things. It's not. It's not just recovery for that. Um, it is for that. It's, it's, just, it's just more than that. Uh, and so if you are like a um, dad who comes home and snaps at their kids because work was just tough. If you're a, a, a woman who scrolls on an Instagram and is filled later with insecurities about the way you parent or the way you look, this is for you. It's for anyone with hurts, hang-ups, sins in their life, which is all of us. And my hope, and my prayer, that every single person in these seats would go through steps eventually. The reality is we can't all go through it at the same time. Um, it is an intense 12-week discipleship journey. It, ta- it is, um, is a journey that takes 12 weeks. It is two hours on a single night. It's an hour of small group discussion, an hour of teaching. And then you meet with a one-on-one mentor sometime during that week for one to two hours. So you're talking, and and then there's homework every day of the week. So it is an intense discipleship journey, but it's one that will show you in your life some lies that you're believing, show you how to pull those lights out and replant gospel truths in your life that will change everything. But because of the mentor piece, we can't have everyone doing it all at once, we only have so many people who have done the course and can mentor, so we only have so many people who can do the, do the discipleship journey. Um, as more people go through it and more people volunteer to be mentors, we can have more people do it. Um, and so we have, I think, 12 or 13 people signed up this time Um, And so we're hoping next time we'll have have 26 and then 52, is that how math works? And then 104, like that would be amazing. We can't, everyone can't go through, we have over, like we have around 100 people between the two gatherings. If everyone signed up, we would need 100 mentors um, and that we just don't have, we don't have 100 mentors. Um, And so we we, we just picked some people we thought could do, would do it. And the way we picked it was we just went through a list and said, all right, this person, this person, this person, this person. We looked at members, people who've been here for a while, people who haven't done it, and just started picking people. And people, some people said yes, some people said no. That sounds like way too much. And we're like, all right, next, next person on the list. So we just went through a list. And so I hope that y- I don't want. Y- we didn't plan and be like, not this person, not this person, not this person, as much as it was just like we're just going through a list. We only have twelve spots. We got to pick. Let's pick some men and some women and try and double up this thing. So. Um, those spots are already taken. It's not an open group, but I want to share with you about what's going on because you're going to hear about it. I don't want you to feel excluded. No one's been excluded. Give us some time. Give us some 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 time to build this ministry up. Our hope is we'd offer this thing twice a year, and we'd eventually get to the point where we could open up to the community, not just our church, where we could advertise this thing. If you're if you've got hurts, hang-ups, or sins, and you want to come and learn about Jesus, come Sunday nights. We got we got a place for you, um, and we would just open it up. Twelve-week semesters. That'd be awesome, right? So it's going to take time to get there. So give us time, be patient with us. Honestly, um, trust the process. Like we're just trying this. We're going to see what happens. So we have those groups. Here's how you sign up. We're almost done. TheGroveSP.com groups. TheGroveSP.com slash groups. Um, write that down. It's really good. Uh, TheGroveSP, spruce pine, doc, So TheGroveSP.com groups. That's how you sign up for groups um and uh when we respond today i want to make sure you write that down and you respond to the gospel today at some point looking at the groups and working with your family and signing up for one i think it's going to be life-giving and life-changing it will be hard but it'll be good Um, and so that's really our uh, our big response today is that we would see groups fill up and one last thing about groups and then we're going to start closing laying in the plane here on the sermon our groups, we want to see multiply. What that means is you guys are going to get in groups and you're going to fall in love with your group people. You're going to be like, this is the best group ever. Some of you guys will. Some of you guys are going to hate it and you're going to like next semester like jump into another group. That's totally fine. That's all we do semesters. So you can jump in and out. If you if your group, you just don't get along with them, I get it guys, I have one, okay, I have a group. And, um, and so you just jump into another group. And so that's totally fine. But here's what I want to say. If you fall in love with your group, Uh, That's what we want, that's our desire, but you got to know because this thing doesn't exist for you, our plan is that your group would multiply, which means some people at some semester will leave your group and plan a new group. So fall in love with your group, but don't get upset when some leave because that's our goal from the beginning of this thing is that every group would fill up to like 12, 18 people, then we'd have two groups of nine. And they'd fill up to 18. And we'd have, w- imagine what it'd be like if, if in um, Yancey, Avery, Mitchell County, we had a group meeting in each county every night of the week to where anyone who wanted to get into community, no matter what their schedule was, could find a group and experience the fullness of Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's going to take saying goodbye to people in your group, Right? gonna take sacrifice but it's gonna be awesome So that's our goal our goal is three counties every now of the re- week um, in all three counties that would be awesome I think that'd be amazing I made it up last service so it's our goal now for sure because I said it out loud um, but let's do it right it sounds good let's do it so so man like he, 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 here's the thing he, here's all this to say this I want you guys to know Jesus I want you to know the hope for which he has called you. I want you to know that you are loved by him, that you are, is his inheritance. I want you to know that the power of God that raised Christ from the dead is living in you and can breathe life into the darkest nights. And the way in which we know that is by living life together. So tonight, today's call is that we would live life together. I'm gonna pray for us, Um, and then we'll respond to the gospel the way that we respond uh, is the same every week and it's the only thing we can do to the gospel is respond to it right like i don't know what else to do but just to surrender to god and respond by singing by eating and drinking so we have communion if you're a christian here today oh i'm so glad you're here let's celebrate all this knowledge that God has revealed to you and will continue to reveal to you throughout your life by eating bread, drinking wine or juice, remembering that Christ's body was broken, his blood was spilt so that you could be his inheritance. So we remember that. If you're, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I am so glad you're here. You learned a lot about some of the background of why we make decisions today and, and what we're doing going forward. I'm glad you're here. I hope you get plugged into a home group. Communion is one of those things that's just for the believer just for the person who surrendered to christ because it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to remember something that hasn't been done for you because you haven't surrendered yet but hey today's a good day to surrender surrender today come to the table and celebrate uh, we if you remember the grove you can give during this time you can give online at the grovesp.com give you can give on uh, the bar that's a response to god's generosity in giving us his son we give back to him If you're a guest here today, this isn't me asking you for money, don't want your money, you don't need to give. Um, I hope that this gathering is our gift to you. And then lastly, we respond today by plugging into community. So you wanna take time during worship to write down thegrovesp.com slash uh, groups, or you wanna go to the website, and bookmark, whatever you wanna do, like respond by taking a step forward into groups. Everyone's been purged from all the groups in the past except for the leaders because some dates and places have changed. So if you if you were signed up last year, you gotta sign up again, no matter who you are, unless you're leading one of these things. Um, and so everyone's gotta re-sign up. So sign up, take a step towards that today as we respond to the good news of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for this letter of Paul that we can read and dig into and, and really that could read us. God, I, I pray that if there's some of us here today who haven't fully experienced Christ and the blessings of him and his, and, and his work on the cross, that you would do that amongst us right now. That as we're gathered and as we sing and as we respond, that the fullness of Christ would be felt, that we would feel the hope which you called us. That we'd feel like your inheritance. That we would feel the power of God inside of us. The same power that raised your son from the dead. That we'd feel that inside of us, God. And we respond by worshiping you and calling out to you. God, I love you. I love your people. It is my privilege to serve in your church. I pray this your son Jesus' name. Amen.